Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. The ministry and purpose of Jesus, Luke 2.13. Suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying... Would you read verse 14 out loud with me? Everybody ready? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. One more time with gusto. Ready? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Isn't that a great message? What a great declaration of the purpose of Jesus Christ. How many would agree with me that there is not enough peace in the world today? Can I have a better amen right there? Are you a purveyor of peace? A purveyor is someone who provides and who dispenses peace. I love the story about a church family that was leaving church after a great Christmas morning service and it was wonderful mom dad a few kids and they got in the minivan they're driving home to have lunch and everybody should have been happy but the seven-year-old son in the back he was fussing he was crying he was upset his father turned around and said my god son we just left a great service he said god was there and it was wonderful what's your problem he said well dad You heard what the pastor said just before we left church today. He said, every child in this church deserves to go home with a family where there's love, peace, and joy, but I want to stay with you guys. (laughs) Ain't it the truth? If we could interview every adult in the world today and ask them, What do you want most for this world? Not for you, but what do you want most for the world? I think the dominant answer, whether they're Muslim, Hindu, Jewish, Christian, atheist, or pagan, I think 90% of the people in this world would say, I wish there were peace. As born-again children of God and kingdom of God representatives here today, we are called by Jesus to be purveyors of peace. Your job and my job as a born-again child of God is to be the personification of peace, to promote peace, to proclaim peace, to live in peace, and to Make peace in the moment, wherever you are. Jesus did not say, blessed are the peacekeepers, because that is impossible. But he did say, blessed are the peacemakers, because that is usually possible. Doesn't the phrase that the angels declared to the shepherds, peace on earth, everybody say that. Peace. One more time. 
Doesn't that sound wonderful? It sounds wonderful. What if there truly were peace dominating the earth the way it could be and the way it should be? Think about it. If there was peace on earth, the royals and the chiefs would win championships every year. If there were peace on earth, there would be no thieves. Has anybody had something stolen from you in the last 12 months? Most everybody has. If there were peace on earth, there would be no prisons. There would be no law enforcement agencies or jails. There would be no broken families. There would be no random acts of violence. In fact, just last month, November 15th, a young vet, veteran, who's a preacher, was preaching on the street corner in Glendale, Arizona, and a, and a man at random shot him in the head. And he's fighting for his life now, and it looks like he's going to make it a wife and two small children. What is wrong? What is wrong? How do people become so broken inside? Jesus said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Essentially, Jesus is saying, my peace that I give is not like the world's peace that is shallow, it's false, it's short-lived. Their peace is self-serving. It's based on the wrong values, but my peace is rich, it's deep, it's lasting, it's authentic, it's God-given kingdom of God peace. And I'm going to tell you that peace is always possible when everyone involved in the equation honors God, sees him in his lordship, and sees him in his rightful place of authority. I want to speak into somebody's life today and tell you that you are a purveyor of peace in your life, in your personal life, in your marriage, in your family, in your home. You have the power to bring and take authority and live in peace. If you believe it, clap your hands to the Lord. The advent of Jesus Christ introduced lasting peace to this world. Jesus' life on this earth started with a declaration of peace and it finished with a declaration of peace. At Christ's birth, the angel said, peace on earth. During Jesus' ministry, we just read John 14, he declared peace. He sent out the 70 in Luke chapter 10 and told them to declare peace. And after his resurrection, he came to his disciples after the upheaval that his crucifixion and arrest and trial and death created. And he said, peace be to you. Jesus' priority was to be peace, to declare peace, to restore peace, peace is mankind's greatest need today.
It's our greatest need today. Your greatest need today is to have peace with God. Have peace with God. Don't leave this house today without finding peace with God. And let me tell you why you need peace with God. Because we were born sinners. And our flesh, the Bible says, is the enemy of God. And no man can make peace with God without a sacrificial lamb that Jesus Christ was for us. And by his sacrifice, we can make peace with God. Don't leave here today without repenting of your sins, without getting your heart right before God. Don't leave here today an enemy of God, but leave here today with peace with God. And Paul said, I want to have a conscience void of offense toward God and toward man. Don't leave here today without making peace. PhD in behavioral psychology, Dr. James Hughes said, 90% of all people in mental treatment centers are there because of an unforgiveness issue. What pastor just told us today is the key to peace in your mind and peace in your spirit. Unforgiveness can become a psychosis and an acid that destroys its container. And life is too short to live in bitterness and unforgiveness. Don't let anybody steal your peace. Don't let any knucklehead out there. Don't let some dummy take your peace. I almost thought about showing you a video somebody sent me today of road rage right in front of this guy who was in his car taking a picture. There was a little car and a, and a, and a big old truck swerved around it. And then they got into it and the little car and the truck, the little car just sort of swerved him over to the side and put him up on the concrete embankment and then drove off. I thought, oh, he thought he won that battle. He thought he won that battle. Do you know that people die on freeways because people can't live in peace? If the dummy cuts you off, just wave at him with your, all of your fingers. <laughs> and say, I bless you in the name of Jesus. Life is too short. You don't ever want to go to your insurance man and say, the insurance man says, well, tell me about the accident. He said, well, I had a moment of road rage. That's not going to go over too well. <laughs> Live and reach for peace. Listen to Romans 12, 14. Bless those who persecute you. That's how you live in peace. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those that weep. We need to get good at both of those. Listen, celebrate with somebody today. You say, well, I wish somebody would celebrate with me. Well, they will if you'll celebrate with them first. Celebrate somebody's life, something that's worth celebrating. And then weep with those who weep. Verse 16, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Now watch this next verse. 
Let's read verse 18 out loud together in concert. Here we go. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. It's not always possible because you can't control anybody else's attitude, but you can control your attitude. You can control your response. That's why Paul says that do the best you can, even if they're taking you to the limits of your peace and your sanity. Just get out there into the outer limits. <laughs> Maybe somewhere you've never been before and live peaceably with all men. Verse 19, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath or leave that work to the righteous anger of God. Don't leave it up to you to get revenge because you'll take it too far. No human can just get the right amount of revenge. You will go too far. You will take what you think you should and then take something more. But leave revenge up to God. I'm going to tell you something. God watches over righteous people. God defends people who are reaching for his values. It's not up to you to get revenge. Leave that up to God because he will always meet it out in the right proportion. Turn to somebody and say, leave revenge up to God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Verse 20, therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. That means if he doesn't repent, his judgment will be greater because of your kindness. And do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So in the text, why was the angel given this specific message to declare to the shepherds about Jesus? There was a lot of things he could have said about Jesus. There was a lot of messages he could have brought to the angels for the first declaration heard by human ears in the moment of the birth of Christ. But here was his message. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace. And the result will be goodwill toward men. Why is peace on earth the first message given by the angels? Informing the shepherds of this ministry of this baby boy, this new thing, this new Messiah, this new idea that is being presented by God to the world. You know, it occurred to me in preparing for today that peace on earth is something that God has been trying to restore and communicate for a long, long time. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Verse 2 says the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. Scholars say that when God began his work of creation, the earth was in darkness, emptiness, chaos, a state of utter confusion and desolation. One theory is that there was a gap of time 
between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. And during that gap is when the great rebellion of heaven occurred and Lucifer was kicked out of heaven along with one third of the angels because he said, I will exalt my throne as the most high God. And God kicked them out of heaven down to the earth. And when they hit the earth, they brought chaos, confusion, and created disorder in God's creation. So Genesis 1-2, theoretically, is an act of recreation. And the latter part of verse 2 says, The Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. Everybody say, the Spirit of God moved. This is the first thing we read in the Bible about the Spirit of God. It's a moving spirit. Pastor talked about it. The Spirit was moving in here last Sunday. The angels were here, and they're here again today, and the Spirit of God is moving. And the Bible says that uh, when the Spirit of God moved, it means that it was hovering. It was hovering. In fact, one derivative of the word included in the range of meaning is that God was incubating. Think about that. God was incubating like a mother bird on the nest, incubating the eggs and bringing them to a perfect temperature and a perfect moment of gestation so that something new could be born. And I want to tell you that the Spirit of God is doing that in this house today. The Spirit of God is incubating over us today. The Spirit of God is moving over us today. And He wants to create something new. He wants to take the chaos and the darkness and the emptiness that's in your life. And He wants to start something new in you at Christmas time. And I'm telling you that He has the power to do it if you will let Him work in your life. Can you say amen? Let's clap our hands to the Lord right now. So when God brought order to creation, some scholars suggest that even before the fall of man, there was no food chain in the animal kingdom, but all the animals were at peace with each other. Think about that. No predators, no natural enemies. And it appears to be the case once again during the millennial reign when the Bible said the lion and the lamb and a child can play by the nest of a poisonous serpent and there's no cause for concern because it's now not poisonous and it's not possible to harm the child. That's in the future of this earth. But think about it. The main mammals, Adam and Eve, messed it all up by violating God's law for peace on the earth and goodwill toward men and broke covenant with God and introduced chaos and confusion into the animal kingdom and into the vegetation. Now there were predators in the animal kingdom. Now there was a food chain. Now there are thorns and thistles and poisonous herbs. And they introduced confusion into the human family. Think of it. In the first family that God created on this earth, there was a murder. And a murderer. Essentially, Adam and Eve lost both their sons. 
In 1 Corinthians, Jesus is called the last Adam. Why? He came to fix what the first Adam broke. What Lucifer, the fallen angel, brought to the earth, the first Adam, the fallen man, brought to the human race. Chaos, confusion, darkness, desolation, emptiness. But the last Adam came into this world to restore peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Romans 5.19 says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. This is why Isaiah 9.6 says, His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of the prince of peace. What peace is he the prince of? He's the prince of all peace. Ephesians 2.14 For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and those who were near. And through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Everybody say Prince. This means walking in the authority of the king. Jesus came to preach peace and to restore peace with God and with man. How many love peace? Amen. Amen. I love, I love peace. I love reconciliation. You know, sometimes my wife and I, we, we get in a little discussion. But we've made it so far for 45 years. <laughs> and she's still the queen. And you know, you know what's better than a, a discussion is reconciliation. Making up. I love to make up. In fact, sometimes I start a discussion just so we can make up. I really don't. Thank you the queen, to the queen. We've told the story before, but we lived in a house for eight years. And we sold it to the best friends of our neighbors. The lady's name was Jamie. About two weeks after she was living in the house, she called my wife. She said, Marlene, this is Jamie. I bought your house. Marlene said, yes, Jamie, how do you like the house? She said, we love it. She said, but who are you people? <laughs> she wasn't ready for that. Marlene said, I'm sorry? She said, no, who are you people? She said, well, I don't understand. 
She said, you left something behind in this house. I have never felt before. Marlene said, what would you call it? She said, peace. There's a peace in this house. I give God and the queen because we don't have drama in our house. We don't have chaos in our house. We don't have confusion in our house. That doesn't mean I walk around like a prison warden, you know, bumping people in the heads with my club. It's just, we're just Christians. J.T. Pugh said, it's always nice when preachers are Christians. That always works out really good. And you know what? By the grace of God, I really am a Christian. By the grace of God, she really is a Christian. We don't have drama. It doesn't happen. We don't have chaos and confusion and fighting and strife and anger and, and dissimulation. It doesn't happen. Why? Because we're trying to manifest the fruit of the spirit to a point where a total stranger walked in a house after we cleared out. I mean, we took everything, lock, stock, and barrel. There's not a shred of us there. And when she comes in, there's still something there that we left behind. And I'm telling you, you've got that too. You've got that too. You can bring peace to your house. Don't leave it up to somebody else. Bring peace. Speak peace. Refuse to be the chaos. If it's a fire, don't put gasoline on it. Throw water on it. There's an idea. If it's a wound, don't pour salt into it, but cleanse it like the good Samaritan, oil and wine, and heal it and bandage it and sustain it. If it's an argument, try a soft answer instead of always having to be right and defending yourself and raising your voice and having to, having to always win. Purvey the peace, protect the peace, personify the peace, be the peace. Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Think of it. One third of the dynamic of the kingdom of God is peace. Is it ruling in one third of your life? What about the other two thirds? Righteousness and joy, not bad stuff. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Does that mean that peace means the absence of conflict? No, there will be conflict. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. But here's the thing. Don't let anybody hijack your peace. Jesus is asleep in a boat. The storm comes up. The disciples are freaked out. They wake him up. He's asleep. Is that pretty peaceful? in a storm. Pretty cool. And they wake him up. They hijack his peace. Jesus, don't you care that we're about ready to die? Jesus stands up and he says 
to the winds. He said, peace. Then he said, be still. Be still. You have authority to do that. When, when, listen, peace, and I'm bringing the message to a close now. Peace is an undervalued, underutilized, underused weapon of spiritual warfare. You know, when we think of warfare, we want to get out the sword of the spirit and quote the word. Thus saith the Lord, touch not his prophets and do them no harm. You know, we, we want to use the word of the Lord to fight people. But I'm going to tell you that a weapon of warfare that is probably the least used out of the whole Bible is peace. It's a weapon of warfare because you showed me somebody who walks in peace and I'll show you someone who has spiritual authority. They don't have to run around screaming at people. They don't have to run around yelling at people. They don't have to walk around protecting their turf and their territory. They're just walking in peace. They're just walking in authority. You say, well, where did you get that? From the Bible. Paul said and in 1 Corinthians, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The God of peace will crush. How's he going to crush him? With having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of. That's the, that's the, that's the way to fight your battles is to walk in peace. Walk in authority. Don't let anybody hijack your peace. Don't let anybody steal your peace. Because peace is an attitude you can choose anytime you want to. Let this mind, Philippians 2.5, let this attitude that was in Christ Jesus be in you. Jesus did not allow anybody to rob his peace. Judas, why have you come? And while the cold kiss of betrayal is still wet on his cheek, Jesus says, friend, you can't mess with somebody like that. He's walking in peace. He's in the will of God. He's walking in peace. So what am I saying? Am I saying that you can't have any conflict? No, I'm saying purvey peace. Walk in peace. Reach for peace. Find a way that you can bring peace to the conflict. Caleb and I were having lunch yesterday and we were talking about this a little bit. And I said, I have absolute confidence that I, that God can help me to restore peace in any conversation, in any relationship, because that's who Christ has made us to be. He said, dad, I've got that too. And I said, well, I know where you got it. Praise God. There's some families, they're not getting along unless they're fighting. But that's not the way to live. I'm speaking peace over somebody today. I'm declaring peace over today. I'm stealing the storm of your life. I'm silencing the chaos. Why? Because I have authority to do it today. I have the authority to speak peace over you at Christmas time. It's going to be different when you go back home. It's going to be different when you get back in that situation. If you will stand for peace. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. Praise God. Praise God. I want somebody to lift your hands right now and speak peace. 
Come on, somebody declare peace right now. You know where you need it. You know where it's needed. Maybe you don't need it in your life, but you know somebody who needs it in their life. Oh, I wish I could get somebody to let their voice out right now and say, Lord, I take authority over chaos. I take authority over confusion. I take authority over the darkness. I take authority, oh God, over the chaos. In Jesus' name, I'm speaking peace. I'm speaking peace. Every child at the Life Church deserves to go home to a family where there's love, peace, and joy. Where there's love, peace, and joy. If we are not doing it, then who's going to do it? If we are not living it, then who's going to live it? If we are not bringing it, then who's going to bring it? <laughs> I speak peace in Jesus' name. The ushers are going to come and they're going to pass out little tea lights to everybody. I want them to come quickly. And here's what we're going to do. When you receive your light, please don't turn it on. There's a little switch underneath it, okay? There's a little black switch underneath. So ushers, come quickly. Everybody grab a tea light and we'll wait till everybody gets one. And then please don't turn it on until we give you an instruction. And once everyone has a tea light, can we dim the lights just a little bit more? Is that possible? We can dim them just a little bit more. And then we're gonna light the world, that's good. That's good, we're gonna light the world, okay? Everybody get a light, everybody get a light. And then just hold on to it, don't turn it on yet. Don't turn it on yet. Praise God, James is playing for us Oh, holy night. Thank you, James. I want you to think about where you can be a purveyor of peace. I want you to think about what darkness you can light up today or tomorrow. Praise God. Praise God, the kingdom of God. Everybody say, the kingdom of God is righteousness. Say peace. Say joy in the Holy Ghost. I want you to think about right now where, where you can bring peace, where you can step on the scene, what storm you can stop, what relationship you can heal, what brokenness you can begin to repair. Praise God. Is everybody getting a light? Raise your hand if you don't have a light yet. Raise your hand if you don't have a light yet. Ushers, look around. We've got a few hands over here. Raise your hand over here if you don't have a light yet. Praise God. Let's close our eyes. Lord Jesus. What we're about to do is merely symbolism. But this is your plan, Lord, to restore order. If we as the children of God are acting like the world, then where is the peace? Lord, the world needs to see something better and something different. Politicians can't do it. And programs can't do it. 
Only the transformational power of the Holy Spirit in your people can bring true change and true transformation. Lord, wherever there's chaos in our lives, wherever there's darkness, we're going to be the light. We're going to bring the light. If we don't do it, it won't get done. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.